eight and two. How about that? How about your Detroit Lions? Eight and two. Brian, are you a believer yet? Are you on board? <laughs> I'm I'm with you, Chris. Hundred ten percent. I love baseball. Uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of goals yesterday. It's great. <laughs> Lots of pucks in the nets. Like when they hit home runs. Biscuits in the baskets. <laughs> uh, did you watch any of the game yesterday? I did not. Bev, I'm sure, had it on. Oh, absolutely. And there was nothing from you. You're I, off doing other I, I had a book I was reading. Okay. All right. Uh, Look, I'm not against them. I know. No, 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 no. I know. <laughs> I'm just, my goal is to try to get you on board here. I'm going to try to get you on board throughout the course of the season. I watched that I, show when they were on HBO. Does that count? No. Okay. I mean, sure. Was that was that entertaining to you? It was okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we're getting there. Um, the the Lions are eight and two. They beat Chicago yesterday, thirty one twenty six. They twelve uh, trailed by twelve points with uh, about eleven minutes to play. Do you know the last time the Lions were eight and two? I do not. JFK <laughs> was present. It was nineteen sixty two. Wow. The cost of a new house was about. Twelve and a half, uh, twelve thousand bucks. A new car was about three thousand dollars. Gas was twenty-seven cents a gallon. That was the last time <laughs> the football team in this town was eight and two. Isn't that shocking? I, I mean, okay, sure. It's shocking. I'm shocked. I mean, it's you know, time goes by in a blink of an eye, right? So you don't even really think about it. But yeah, 1962 was the last time the Lions. We're eight and two. It's unbelievable. Say, without without dating myself, mm-hmm. the year I was born. Okay, very good. So they've only been eight and two. They've been eight and two your life. entire life. My entire life. Your entire life. I'm on board. I'm excited. Okay. Now. I don't know what any of this means, but I'm excited. That's it. That's it. We got. We did it, people. It's a very exciting day here. <laughs> um, it is President Joe Biden's 81st birthday today. And his present it is a fresh new poll, hot off the presses, that shows yet another drop in approval. Biden's approval rating has declined to the lowest point of his presidency. 40% as strong majorities of all voters disapprove of his handling in foreign policy, the Israel-Hamas war, and others. That's according to NBC News' recent poll. What else is interesting about this poll is, like a few others, it shows that Joe Biden is trailing Donald Trump in a hypothetical general election redo if it were held today. Now, the the margin of error is within the margin of error, but still pretty interesting that even NBC's poll shows such a drastic drop in support pretty interesting also we do maybe have some movement on the front of hostages being held by hamas in gaza we'll get to that momentarily but but it seemed that there were more reports coming out that something could be trending in the positive direction and if you listen to israeli president isaac herzog well they're negotiating with a psychopath so if you listen to what he says, maybe a little more bleak, but there could still be a cause uh, at least to celebrate a little bit. Haven't crossed that finish line yet, but we're working on 
hopefully getting these people back. More on that in a second. Meanwhile, it is officially official. The UAW rank and file at General Motors, Ford, Stellantis have ratified those four-and-a-half-year agreements that get them wage increases and investment commitments. And the UAW made that, that announcement today that it is official. UAW President Sean Fain said that members have spoken after years of cutbacks, months of our stand-up campaign, and weeks on the picket line. We have turned the tide for the American auto worker. The UAW is back to setting the standard. Now we take our strike muscle and our fight spirit to the rest of the industries we represent and to millions of non-union workers ready to stand up and fight for a better way of life. And that certainly has been a mission, I think, for Sean Fan and the UAW. There's no doubt. It's after years and years and years of a decay of membership. They have to try to build the rank and file up. They have to. And what did we see as a result of these UAW deals? Well, Toyota, Honda, all of these, a, a few other automakers raising their wages for their workers because the UAW is coming. I mean, they are knocking on the door. And these companies don't want union representation. They don't. And, and quite frankly, you know, depending on where you live, certainly in the South, Alabama, uh, even a little north when you get to Tennessee, they've held those union votes, whether they should unionize or not. They haven't. But these workers look at what Sean Fain, what negotiators did here and the type of deals they got. It's hard not to think a little bit and daydream and go, oh, geez, it's big time money. So that is certainly where the UAW has set their their sights. All right. Hostage negotiations are underway. Other countries have gotten involved. Cutter, namely, what is the latest? Are we are we gonna are we getting any closer to seeing a return of these hostages? WJR senior news analyst Maria Osborne joins us for a look on that front. Hi, Marie. Uh, with all the bad news coming out of the Middle East, this was certainly welcome and interesting news developing over the weekend. Officials saying that Israel-Hamas hostage negotiations are nearing their final phase and a deal could be reached this week. And even as this deal is getting closer to completion, officials have made it pretty clear, though, nothing has been formally settled. But certainly the signals we're getting is that this is in the works. A deal could potentially release some of these over 200 hostages that are being held by Hamas. Uh, again, they're holding about 240 hostages, many of them believed to be from foreign countries, including about a dozen Americans. Uh, uh, Hamas did release four hostages earlier uh, through negotiations with Qatar. They were kind of the intermediary. Officials have been tight-lipped about speaking about this uh, publicly, but here's a quote from uh, the U.S. Deputy National Security Advisor Jonathan Finer on the news shows this weekend on uh, CNN's State of the Union. He said, "We think that we are closer than we have been, perhaps at any point since these negotiations began weeks ago." And you mentioned earlier, Chris, Israeli Ambassador Michael Herzog. He was on ABC's This Week, and he said, "Quote: A significant number of hostages." could be free in the coming days. So, again, matter of days here. We're not talking weeks. Now, a couple of things to keep in mind. Previously, negotiations had stalled uh, in October. Uh, The discussions broke down after Hamas refused to cooperate until Israel allowed fuel to come into Gaza. One report indicating Israel is only considering a 
pause in the attacks that would allow for the safe path passage of the released hostages and chris i'm willing to bet that that's probably the sticking point right there is how long can they do a ceasefire just enough to get people out because you can't let them out unless you know bombs are not dropping so i think that might be the the hold up here you know it's interesting because i think you're right i i benjamin netanyahu has not minced his words they are going after hamas they want almost an eradication wipe them out of, of hamas right does does the and and he has also said that there is no ceasefire unless these hostages are are released am i to assume that the offensive from israel stops if these hostages are released well i don't think we can make any assumption i don't like that. i don't see yeah. how that's possible i don't i think they're gonna keep at it i think when you when you when you see the ramped up rhetoric and in my opinion rightfully so from people like Benjamin Netanyahu after October 7th. When you see the, the the shift in tone, which is, well, now we're coming. Now things are changing. Now we're going to go on the offensive here. Y- you do still have a country of people that you're trying to protect and you're trying to, to govern to a certain extent. You, I don't know that you can necessarily backtrack on that because I think most people in Israel want that same kind of action being taken that Benjamin Netanyahu describes. Right. They want it done. And I mean, we heard that too in the uh, presidential debates with the Republicans in the last couple of times that um, Nikki Haley, for one, yeah. said, you know, may, get this done. Yep. It's got to be over. Yep. And uh, we talked with Mike Rogers here before, and he's, you know, indicated the same thing. It's got to be over. Uh, the, Hamas is just interested in wiping Israel out, period. So, they need to be done with. So it, this is such a delicate balance, though. Mm-hmm. We're talking about, I mean, there are there are children under a year old that are being held. Right. And this is just such a delicate balance. So um, the fact that we're getting sick smoke signals here saying, yeah, this could be coming in days, not weeks, is just pretty amazing. It is amazing. It's good news. But what's on the other side of that, I think, is a, a, something that we're going to have to watch for. Marie Osborne, thank you very thank much. Thank you. Got to take a break. More next on JR Afternoon. By the way, the, the fun doesn't have to stop if you're not in the car. All you got to do is turn us on on Alexa. Turn us on on Google, wherever you want. We're there. WJR app if you're in the car putzing around. I mean, look, we, we, we reach 38 states and half of Canada, but... Sometimes there are pockets where you don't get us, so that's where you fire us up there. Uh, It's good to have you. We have a lot to do today still. Um, We have seen a trend in this country, and it has shown up more and more, that the younger workforce, right, those that are just graduating college and coming out, are having a real difficult time finding work. And whether you've got you know, great GPA, you did the internships during your time in school, you know, maybe you participated in a sport, whatever it is. It has become more and more difficult for new college grads to find work. And I'm curious to know why that is. Now, I think part of it certainly plays into the type of degrees they're getting, the type of work that they want to get into. Are they are they going into to sectors of our economy that are booming or that need work. 
And if those jobs in those particular industries that are booming, there is a different way that they're looking at hiring, too. Harry Holzer is a professor of public policy at the McCourt School of Public Policy at Georgetown University and joins us. Professor, good to have you. Nice to be here. Um, t- talk to me about why students are having such a difficult time finding work post post school. Well, um, the labor market has been softening a bit. Uh, and, and in fact, that was deliberate. You know, the inflation was too high. So the Federal Reserve raised interest rates to try to calm the job market down. Uh, it has succeeded in doing that. And young people coming out of college or even community college or high school uh, are, are the first people affected whenever the labor market slows down a little bit, right? Because the first thing that firms will do uh, if things are slowing down is to stop hiring new people before they even start laying off folks. And, 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 so, and so the college graduates right now are, are facing that kind of a job market that's mm. softening uh, after a few years of, of very, very rapid growth. You know, we, we've seen, you know, certainly here in Michigan, uh, even we're, we're seeing less and less students going into the healthcare industry, right? Whether that's nursing, uh, we're seeing less and less students going into the teaching fields Two in very important job markets uh, for us in the United States. And, and so while they're not gravitating towards those types of work or towards hospitality, uh, the hospitality industry, let's say they're they're gravitating more towards engineering or IT because those are are still hot job markets. But those industries are are adjusting to, as you mentioned, the job market and they're adjusting in how they're hiring. It, it seems like a very difficult position for a newly uh, graduated uh, a professional to get into the workplace to find a job when you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Well, I, I I think the people in those technical fields, like engineering and some of the others, I I think those those young people are going to do fine because demand in those areas uh, is always pretty strong. And 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 now that now that the Biden administration is going to pour money into building chips and building new infrastructure. I, I think there'll be a lot of jobs for folks in engineering. Now, I agree with you that there are fields like healthcare and education where there are real worker shortages. Uh, and yet a lot of students aren't, aren't wild about the idea of, of majoring in those fields for a bunch of different reasons. Uh, a lot of students still at the undergraduate level major in liberal arts. Uh, and that's not necessarily a terrible thing over the long run, but in the short run, in a softening market, it may not be exactly what, what employers are, are looking for. Um, and, you know, in healthcare and education, uh, we might need to experience shortages for a while uh, and, and, and then higher salaries in those fields to entice more people to go into them. Professor Harry Holzer at Georgetown University joins us. Um, you know, it, 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 seems like it's a very difficult apples to apples to comparison because this is really a a, a new job market post pandemic, right? We don't really have anything to compare this to. So what data do you look at to say, well, okay, things are going to get brighter on the other side of the hill uh, as, as the, the, the months wear on here. But what do you look at in terms of the future prognosis uh, for, for these students that are entering the job market now? 
I, I think if you look at kind of the long-term trends uh, in what economists call labor demand, uh, you know, it's, it, it has been much better to have a college de- degree than not to have one on average. Um, and, and I think that will largely be true uh, over the next bunch of years. Now, uh, you know, with a couple of caveats, number one, um, we don't know how much things are really going to slow down. I think right now we're going we're gonna to sidestep a recession. I think inflation has come down enough that a, a little bit of softening will occur, but, but not a, a deep recession. So I think that will work to the advantage of these college grads. Now, secondly, um, as the baby boomers keep retiring, you know, labor markets will remain on the tighter side. So I think that will also be a plus for these folks. One interesting new trend, however, is that a lot of state governments and a lot of major companies are rethinking whether people have to have a college degree in the first place mm-hmm. for all kinds of jobs. And there's, a, there's this whole movement towards skills-based hiring rather than degree or credential-based hiring. I don't know if that's going to pick up a lot of steam sure. or not. That could dampen some of the college demand that we see down the road. But overall, uh, I'm not expecting a huge recession. I think, I think things will soften for a bit, but then still be relatively good for these folks over the next five to 10 years. Well, a lot of these, these people will say, well, uh, it's chicken or the egg, right? Uh, I got out of college. I've got my degree. And now these 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 uh, jobs that I'm applying for saying that I need experience. Well, there's no way for me to get experience unless I get into the job. And so th- that's a difficult part for this uh, this group to try to work through. But also there's another part in this, I think, where you've got, you know, those in the, the fast food industry, for example, where they're hiring up to 15, 16, 17 dollars an hour. Does that. Is there an incentive there for people to maybe take their eye off the ball and wander over here and make, you know, a, a, a couple bucks while they try to find the job? Does that does that skew them from their path, do you think? You know, it, 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 it's okay just for some short-term cash uh, as long as it doesn't really interfere uh, in, in people's ability to, to send out applications and, and apply for better jobs. You know, that's only short run. Um, so... So they should, they should only do a little bit of that uh, in the short term. But in terms of the thing you mentioned about work experience, you know, we, we should be, we meaning state governments, federal governments, you know, we should be pushing um, community colleges and other places and employers to generate more, you know, working while learning programs, work-based learning, apprenticeships, internships, those kinds of things. That will give students some of that experience. The other thing is that, you know, if some students come out with liberal arts degrees uh, and they've learned how to write and how to think, but maybe they need a slightly more tangible skill, you know, maybe they top off their degree called last mile training. Mm. And you go to community college and you pick up some, you know, some specific technical skill to round out the skills you show employers. And, and that might be another way uh, to help them get over this initial bump. Uh, It's very interesting stuff and something that we're going to continue to watch. Harry Holzer, professor at Georgetown University. Uh, Professor, thank you so much. Appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we'll talk again very soon. 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. If you want to weigh in on that, I I think that is a big issue. And I think when you compare that to the trends that we're seeing in terms of 
people living at home longer, right? 55% of young adults, young professionals say they lived with their parents last year. It's down from the pandemic era, obviously. But but it is an, an indicator that it is more difficult to find a place to live, more difficult to be able to really fend for yourself on your own when those jobs just aren't there. 800-859-0957. Got to take a break. I think it's 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 all encompassing. It's not a good sign when if you're going into a particular field and you're not finding the work for whatever reason it is, it's a problem. And it's a problem because you're racking up the student loan debts that you took on. But you you are racking these bills up. The interest is through the roof. And you got to start paying them back. And you're not working. You're not working. You're not doing what you expected to do post-college. That is that is an unfair position for a lot of these students to be in. It just is. And so rightfully so, I think a lot of those aspiring to jump into the workforce head on, they're frustrated. Of course. How couldn't you be? Uh, you, you absolutely are. For, I've seen it firsthand, people in my family that have a very difficult time finding jobs out of college. And so there is there is something to be said about the way that companies are hiring now. Look, you, you know me. This is this the way companies conduct their business is their business. I don't get in the middle of that. And so if they want to pause hiring, if they want to accelerate hiring, if they want to hire a certain person, whether depending on what their qualifications are, your business. But there is an untapped market as of now because of a lack of experience or just the market isn't right in some of these cases. And so I think that adds to a certain level of frustration. And I think it's justified. And it it puts, you know, into perspective for people that are looking to, you know, once you're a a sophomore, a junior in high school and you're looking towards that next chapter in your life, what do you do? You know, college is is an obvious answer, but we we are seeing a lack of skilled trade workers. And I think all of those decisions that are made amongst families, amongst students – it becomes pretty important when you got to look down the road and it's very difficult to do as a 13, 14, 15 year old, 16 year old, you have no concept of what's happening or what the next four years will mean for you. Six years will mean for you, but it's a difficult spot to be in. There's no doubt about it. So if you want to weigh in on that, 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. Also, I talked briefly at the top about this new NBC News poll that shows that Joe Biden's standing has hit new lows. And in fact, if this election were held today in a head to head redo, Donald Trump would win. Now, look, I'm not interested really necessarily about the what ifs if it were today. It doesn't matter. It's not today. So who cares? 
But what I am starting to see, and this is a bit of a talking point from the left now, is, well, we're a long ways away. These numbers don't matter. And my my question to you is, when do they matter? When do they matter? Because at some point, they have to start mattering. And whether or not, you know, the Biden campaign takes these polls as gospel, whether they poo-poo them and throw them in the garbage, whatever it is, at some point, you're going to have to start kind of listening to people. You're going to have to start dialing back in to the American voter. And that's a difficult spot to be in, but this is why they have unlimited resources. You know, let's take just Michigan, for example. Roughly 250,000 Muslim Americans in the state of Michigan. Now, I don't paint with broad brushes, but from what we saw in the mostly immediate aftermath of October 7th when Hamas went in and slaughtered a bunch of people in Israel, is there were there was a rallying cry for Palestine. There was a, a pro-Palestinian um, rally in Dearborn. And there were numbers of people coming out of there saying, well, we won't forget. We help elect Joe Biden. And if this is his stance, a hardline stance on Israel, we'll remember when we go to the polls next November. Fair enough. So while it may not be an entire group of people, because of course not, (laughs) there are factions of people that are upset with the president. And I think as a result, you're seeing the president soften on a a number of fronts as it pertains to Israel and Hamas. But, But that is something that voters will keep in mind. More so than fluctuating gas prices, for example. More so than what the inflationary number is now compared to what it was three months ago, four months ago. Now, those things may be may be considered, but when it comes to really identifying whether or not you should vote for somebody based on a really strong principle or view, I I, I think voters are going to be much more stingy for any party if it's something that they really feel, if they really feel like what a candidate is peddling is wrong or what a president is doing is wrong, well, then they're, they're going to they're gonna vote accordingly. Or they won't vote, and there are ramifications to that too. You know, we, we've seen around the country, we've seen younger people turning on Joe Biden and, and Democrats. We've seen younger voters talk about, well, they're not moving quickly on climate action. Oh, well, the Biden administration approved the Willow Project up in Alaska. Well, we're out, we're out, we're out. Fine. Uninformed or not, informed or not, doesn't matter. Your vote counts just like anybody else's. So when does it start to matter? Here's another one for younger voters. You've got now people peddling this uh, nonsense with Osama bin Laden on TikTok. And claiming to be awakened to this grand, you know, American conspiracy. So uh, I, I'm just wondering when it starts to matter. And I'm not saying it matters today. I'm not saying that you buy into these polls one way or the other because we know that polls 
over the last six years, seven years, have been, you know, questionable to say the least. But when does it start to matter? Because I got to tell you, while I don't put a ton of stock into these polls, poll after poll after poll shows that Biden's down. Poll after poll after poll shows that Donald Trump would beat him. Poll after poll after poll shows that the Democrats could be in some real trouble. So when does it start to matter? I just I just was watching Fox a couple of minutes ago and Debbie Dingell was on. And, you know, Debbie Dingell said that Donald Trump was going to win in 2016. She said that he was going to win in this state because of a, a two prong approach, which she was hearing from people. And also from Hillary Clinton's lack of of attentiveness to the state of Michigan. So. She was just saying it could be the same way. It could very well be the same way if Democrats don't really wake up. So if you're a Democrat, does do these numbers worry you? Do they worry you? Because if I were, I probably would be a little spooked. Now, if you're Republicans, do you get up for this? No, probably not. I think there's still a tremendous amount of, of due diligence. I think there's a tremendous amount of groundwork to be done if you want to win. And look, whether or not Donald Trump's going to be the candidate, he is blowing everybody out of the water on the GOP side of things. So, A, do these polls matter to you? And, and B, if you're a Democrat or if you're an independent, sh- shouldn't somebody be paying attention to these things? I feel like you should. 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. We are certainly into the holiday season, just days away from Thanksgiving, and then things really ramp up. There is a, a, a huge effort underway to try to tackle counterfeits, knockoffs, stolen goods, whatever it is, and trying to eliminate people from making those mistakes. We'll talk about it next on JR Afternoon. Well, a few different Homeland Security experts got together today. They put their heads together and trying to stem the tide here on some of the counterfeits and illegal goods that make their way into the United States, especially around this time of year as we get into the holidays. Uh, Elisa Eriks is the USAIT spokesperson and former active executive associate director of Homeland Security Investigations and joins us. It's great to have you. Thank you so much for having me. How big of a problem is is this? Counterfeits, knockoffs, stolen goods. Um, how big of a deal is this? Well, if you want to talk from a global perspective, uh, it's related to transnational crime and illegal trade is a $2.2 trillion mm. problem. Uh, in fact, counterfeiting is the most valuable coming in at about $923 billion to $1.13 trillion per year, more profitable than drug trafficking, which produces proceeds at $426 billion to $652 billion. Low risk, yeah. high reward, big dollars impacting globally. Um, but obviously, we, you know, here in the United States, if we want to focus on the issue here, 
impacting our economy, impacting our national security, impacting our consumers, health and safety. Mm. It's a big problem. So the United to Safeguard America from Illegal Trade uh, today, you met with, with a few different folks to talk about this, try to tackle it. What has been the ramifications of the pandemic and post-pandemic life on on this kind of uh, uh, dark version of, of e- e-commerce? Well, I would say, obviously, that was probably the starting point for the boom of, you know, uh, of this type of or, or exaggerated the problem, for sure. Uh, with the pandemic, uh, stores were closed. People couldn't go to their local stores to do shopping. They relied on online and e-commerce platforms to uh, obtain their goods and, and et cetera. And so that's where we saw the big boom in, 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 the, in the market. Uh, and we've just pretty much you know, stayed with that, right, as out of convenience. But what has happened is the criminals have also decided that that was an opportunity for them as well to be able to make money off of this platform. And so by either getting counterfeit merchandise available for purchase on some of these platforms or stolen merchandise also available. And that's where the risk to the consumer uh, and, and also the, the economy is at stake. Well, the consumer is at a disadvantage for a, a whole host of reasons. I mean, you know, real inflation is up. People are still having a hard time finding ways to stretch their dollar. And it's the holiday season, so people are trying to be generous and giving and, and making sure that they have uh, what they what they need to give uh, their family and loved ones for the holiday season. Um, and, and you mentioned the bad actors here. They've never been more technologically savvy or advanced. And so it's it's almost a perfect storm for for a lot of these efforts to try to dupe people out of their products and out of their money. You're absolutely correct. And you use the word duped, I think, is, is a good word for it. I mean, some folks, you know, knowingly to purchase counterfeit products. But, you know, it's a, we also want to make sure that we educate the folks that are not aware and are not att- attempting to intentionally uh, purchase counterfeit or stolen products, that they can be duped. And I do understand the American consumer. We do need to stretch our dollars as much as we can. You know, holidays are a stressful time. You want to get the most that you can for your money. But it really is, has to think about at what cost. What are you really sure. paying for here? Where Where is that money going? What is it funding? How is it hurting the economy? And that's where we really have to educate the public uh, that there are costs associated with this. That maybe it may be cheap to purchase up front, but it, it, we pay in so many ways in the end. And I'm happy to elaborate. And so, Yeah, I, I'd love to hear more on that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, so first of all, there's the health and safety issue of some of these things. Uh, okay, when you're talking counterfeit products, you're talking about stuff that's not made with the uh, up to the regulations that we have here, you know, for legitimate products in the United States. So it could be it's substandard, it could be lead-based paint, the materials could be, uh, you know, harmful to your body. You, you know, talking about putting anything on or in your body, you should be very careful about. Um, the Toys for children can, the parts can be mismarked for their age appropriateness, leading to potential choking hazards. There's, you know, electronics that could have uh, obviously substandard um, electronics, you know, devices that may catch fire, the batteries that are catching fire, counterfeit batteries that are catching fire in some of these toys, sometimes on a plane. Uh, you know, these are the things that you really have to watch out for where, from a safety perspective. But really what is also related to is the profitability of this and where that money is going. Obviously, we, you know, we follow a lot of the money in these cases from a law enforcement perspective, and we see that it's linked to gangs. We see that it's linked to organized crime, to the cartels, to uh, even foreign governments, et cetera, to, you know, for the money that can be made. And what, where else mm. can they profit this kind of money with this low of a risk? Mm. As a parent, that's, it's, it's pretty scary. 
um, of, of two young kids, that can be pretty terrifying. And if you're a grandparent buying for your grandkids up, uh, particularly scary. What What is the message to people when you when when they are trying to be cautious shoppers and prudent shoppers? What do you tell people? Well, we always say if it's too good to be true, it's probably false. Let's start with that. Like if it's anything more than like, you know, a, more than a 20 percent discount, then just do your research. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, there are ways to be safe online. We, we understand people want to get the most that they can for their family members, but they can do it safely where they're getting a legitimate product, which, you know, will then help our economy as a whole, but also be safe for the kids that they're buying it from. I mean, today in our display, we had we showed a counterfeit bike helmet. You know, the whole purpose of buying some of these toys and protections are to protect your children. Mm -hmm. And if you have a counterfeit bike helmet that fails, I mean, obviously, we know the outcome that could come from that. And nobody wants to think about those kinds of things. Mm. Uh, So so you need to be safe when you're shopping online. I mean, obviously, if you can go to the actual brick and mortar store, obviously, that's going to be your safest bet. Um, If you're getting emails about, you know, fantastic, crazy deals. Uh, we say back out of it and go to the website and the actual website of the brick and mortar store and see if that's you know something that's available uh, on there. You know, be careful of linking the links that you click on from some of these emails. I mean, in some cases, the best case scenario is that you will uh, buy and receive a counterfeit product. Mm-hmm. The worst case scenario is now you've received a counterfeit product. They've stolen your identity. They've uh, put malware on your computer. And the list goes on and on and on. And so, like, that's, that's what people have to be careful for. But you can shop safe online, you, but you just have to be savvy. You may have to slow down a second or two and really just make sure you're, you're looking at a legitimate, trusted website, checking seller reviews, making sure that there's an actual working phone number or an address for the seller, um, making sure that your financial transaction, you're not paying with a debit card, that use your credit card, it gives you more protections. And, you know, when you're doing a financial transaction, make sure the, uh, the URL has the HTTPS, the S standing mm. for secure, that they're encrypting your information. Uh, things that can help you be leery of when you're getting these emails, if there's just one little letter that's off or one little n- number that's off, like uh, a business might be, just as an example, athleta.com. That's where you should get your emails from. But if it's athleta.fun.com, that's a fake. So that's how, you know, so you have to be a little bit more savvy of like these websites, the tricks that they use, you know, dot VIP is a big one that's uh, that's constantly used. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there's, it's just taking the time to be cautious because again, beyond, which is first and foremost, obviously the health and safety of our consumers, Mm -hmm. you're funding criminal organizations and people think what's. What's the harm? What's the harm in one purse? What's the harm in this one? Thing? And you extrapolate well, that by millions of people and you uh, have a real yeah. cash cow on your hands. Alyssa Eriks with USAIT. Yeah. Thank you so much. Appreciate the insight. Really good stuff. Oh, my pleasure. Safe shopping. Thank yeah. you. Happy holidays. Thanks so much. You you, you too. Uh, by the way, uh, we'll take a quick break. Got to come back for more. Catch us on uh, anywhere. Alexa, the WJR app. We're there for you. Got to take a break. More next. All right, welcome back. Good to have you. Three o'clock hour. Still lots to do today. I do want to remind you, though, that Trans-Siberian Orchestra is hitting the road with the Ghosts of Christmas Eve, the best of TSO and more. And you could see them at the tour stop of your choice. Rock out at the Capitol for Christmas party in New Orleans or find warmer weather in Orlando. You pick. 
One winner will score tickets to their Trans-Siberian Orchestra concert of choice, round-trip air, three nights hotel, plus a $1,000 gift card for your holiday shopping prize provided by Wild Child Touring. So to enter, Texas Hour's national keyword, snow, to 95819. For full details and official contest rules, visit WJR.com. Uh, Brian Morton is now uh, one of the largest Lions fans out there, I believe. I think we established that earlier, which was nice. Uh, is this like a fat joke? What is that? One of the largest Lions fans out no. there. No, <laughs> you're just <laughs> yeah. Chris. How it's dare you? <laughs> how yeah. rude! Yeah, I'm just catching strays over here. <laughs> All right, you're uh, you're just you're 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 one of the the most solid Lions fans out there. Is that any better, Chris? What? I don't know if it's better. <laughs> All right. I, I You're guess, not going to be able to win this I one. guess I'm just going to move on. <laughs> Lions had a great day, a game yesterday, and Brian just couldn't care less, and it there makes was me a, sad. There was a lot of cheering at my house. And not coming from you. Not coming from me. No, I was reading a book. <laughs> was it a, a, a book on Lions history, I hope? No. <laughs> yes, a book on Lions history, Chris. Uh, although we did establish that you were born in 1962, which is coincidentally the last time the Lions were eight and two. So I'm going to take credit somehow. So it's somehow, <laughs> somehow, I don't know, <laughs> somehow it's, you did this. Well done. Well done. They beat Chicago yesterday, 31 to 26. They trailed by 12 with about 11 minutes to go. Jared Goff did not play well, had three interceptions. Craig Reynolds had a fumble on a kick return. Um, but somehow the Lions were able to overcome. They got a three-and-a-half game lead in the NFC North. Uh, and, of course, they've got another divisional game on Thursday, Thanksgiving against the Packers. Uh, we will talk with Lomas Brown coming up momentarily, but it's very exciting. Uh, it, it, is a, it is a very exciting time to be a Lions fan. I've been beating this drum for, for a while and will continue. Um, the same gun surveillance technology that's being used uh, to for security measures at Oxford is being implemented in the Capitol today. Zero Eyes, which uses artificial intelligence to analyze surveillance video for firearms and alert authorities to potential threats, is now being installed at the state Capitol building and is being used at a state Capitol building for the first time. The software is one of the most recent security upgrades at the Capitol comes at a time where lawmakers claim there's an increasingly tumultuous political scene. There were protests where some people were armed looking to gain entry to the House floor during the pandemic as they were voicing opposition to some of Michigan's pandemic-era edicts. And that was one of the, one of the reasons that spurred this technology to be implemented. Rob Blackshaw is the executive director for the Michigan State Capitol Commission And he told the Detroit News, I want visitors and those that come to work here every day to understand that irrespective of external circumstances, our building remains a secure haven and zero eye plays a pivotal role in ensuring that safety. Uh, Meanwhile, it is official. The UAW officially announced today that the tentative agreements with General Motors, Ford and Stellantis have been ratified four and a half year deals Nets them wage increases and investment commitments all across the board. Um, Pretty good news. Uh, The Stellantis deal was approved by 70%. The Ford deal was approved at 69%. The GM deal was the nail biter. Came in at 55%.
averages out to be about 64% across the entire union. So good work there by Sean Fain, the UAW. And now they set their sights on something bigger. They set their sights on on who else can we can we bring in under this umbrella? And they are going to try to target automakers that are not unionized. They're going to try to once again reach out to the Toyotas and the Hondas and the Hondas and all of the, the foreign automakers that have the operations here as a way to try to lure more workers into the UAW. Because all Sean Fain has to point to and says, look, over here, we did it. It was a, a, a tough six weeks, but we got it done. And as a result of that work being done by Sean Fain, the other automakers, those foreign automakers, had to raise their pay for their employees and their benefits for their employees. As a, as a they just got to put up the shield so that the UAW doesn't come calling. They're, they're coming. But it's whether or not workers at those facilities have any interest in that. Historically, they haven't, but we'll see what, what it bears any difference this time around. Uh, 96 years old, Rosalind Carter, the former first lady uh, and uh, husband to Jimmy Carter, has passed away at the age of 96. She, uh, Marie Osborne, uh, joins us. She was a, a, an early adopter of uh, trying to bring awareness to mental health. Uh, just a, a really fabulous representation of the office. Of public service, yep. right? Steel Magnolia. That's the name that the reporters gave Rosalind Carter when she was the first lady. And you know what? She liked it. She said she didn't mind. The former president, uh, Jimmy Carter, said in a statement, uh, Rosalind was an equal partner in everything I accomplished. And historians will agree with that. Mrs. Carter became the first lady at a time when they were really not expected to take on nothing more than a ceremonial role in their husband's pre uh, presidency. She took on a real role. Mrs. Carter was the first lady to have an office in the East Wing. She became the first to hire a chief of staff whose government salary and rank will equal to the president's chief of staff. It was Mrs. Carter's idea to hold the Middle East peace talks at Camp David. Those talks ultimately were the greatest achievement of her husband's presidency. And at that 13-day Camp David summit, Rosalind took more than 200 type pages of notes. She freely admitted, quote, I am much more political than Jimmy and was more concerned about popularity and winning elections and reelections. She championed mental health issues, like you said, Chris, again, at a time when that wasn't even spoken of in public, right. much less by the first right. lady. She took on issues like equal rights, poverty, civil rights. She was not afraid to disagree with her husband and sometimes did it publicly. She helped found the Jimmy Carter Center, whose mission is to promote democracy and human rights, prevent disease, improve mental health, and they work in 80 countries. And of course, you can't even begin to talk about both of the Carters without talking about Habitat for Humanity. They went everywhere in the globe to help build houses for them. Uh, they were devout Southern Baptists, as you know. They were married 77 years, four kids, 12 grandkids, and several great-grandchildren. Her funeral, by the way, will be next week in Plains. Uh, Jimmy Carter just turned 99. I Unbelievable. Mean, it, it is amazing. 
It is amazing. Mm-hmm. And they have stayed active. You mentioned Habitat for Humanity. I, I was doing some some uh, research on Rosalind. She was the second first lady to testify to Congress. First one was Eleanor. First Eleanor one was Roosevelt. Eleanor Roosevelt. Yeah. And, 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 and I find that her advocacy for mental health, I mean, it, almost everything that I've seen her say on, on mental health, you literally could put it in a paper today. Isn't that interesting? I mean, you, you literally could put it on right. any publication today, right. not even, don't even attribute it to anybody, and you would think that this is the conversation that's being had now. I mean, really a, a, a visionary in terms of the necessity to tackle that health issue for people all across America. There was such a stigma, and well, still is a still stigma, is. really, uh, but uh, there was such a stigma at that time, and uh, that she just came right out and spoke of it, uh, just right out in public and said this is something that's important for us 96 years old god bless her it's amazing what a life yeah what What a life life. uh marie osborne thank you very much thank you all right we got to take a break we're talking lions next with lomas brown right here on jr afternoon eight and two sounds pretty pretty good lions are eight and two they come back down 12 in the fourth quarter, it was something else. And and look, they didn't play well. All right. Offensively, Jared Goff had three interceptions. Uh Craig Reynolds fumbled on a kick return. They didn't they didn't play well. They didn't possess the ball. You know, you gotta give Chicago some credit, but down the stretch, they did everything that they needed to do. And and I think that this team is equipped to handle just about any scenario. Lomas Brown, the color analyst, and, of course, co-host on SportsRap joins us. Lowe, it was a heck of a game yesterday. Yeah, it was a great game. You're right about that. It was a great game only because we won that game. Right. Yeah, that was it. I mean, other than that, there's going to be a lot of coaching points that Aaron Glenn, uh, Coach Dan Campbell, Ben Johnson, and the rest of that staff. It'll be a whole bunch of – coaching points that they'll be able to take from, uh, show these guys, and hopefully improve upon. You know, we don't have a lot of time before they face some Green Bay in a couple of days. So mostly everything you do will be mental reps. So hopefully these mental reps over the next couple of days will help prevent some of the problems that we had on Sunday. Lo, I don't know that all of those receptions fall on Jared Goff. I think maybe the one does. I think the other two you could chalk it up to. I know one of them was a tip ball. The other one was was maybe a misread by Laporta. But but regardless, yeah. y- 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 when you turn the ball over like that, very rarely do you win at any level of football if you turn the, the ball over four times. But but they were able to overcome it. How important are games like this as as you you know get down to the second half of your season or down the road? You're going to look back and go, boy, it 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 was a good thing we came back in that Chicago game and won. Yeah, you you don't want to be the cause of having games like that. And what I mean by that is, is, you know, there's a lot of self-inflicted wounds in that game. So you don't want to be the cause of having a close game or a team hanging in there when they're not supposed to. But it's always comforting when you can win those games. You know, it's always great when you win those games, especially from a, a psychological standpoint. But, again, like I said, it'll be some hard coaching that goes on. But we're going to have games like this. Think about it, man. It's it's getting colder. We're going to have to travel. 
you know, you're going to have circumstances where you're going to have tough environments you're going to be in. So to overcome a game like that and get that victory, I think it goes a long way to helping those guys in the locker room. Well, look, they didn't tackle particularly well. You know, I I think on – on defense, there's a lot that they're going to have to look at and and get fixed. But but you're right; these games happen. Um, what did you What do you make of the development of some of these young guys, particularly Jameer Gibbs offensively? Jameer Gibbs and and Jamison Williams. The, 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 these guys seem to be coming along pretty nicely. Yeah, you know I, I've always said, and it's true. Anytime Barry Sanders had a big run. It was because of the wide receivers getting downfield and getting those those. Well, and uh, the guys blocks. in front of them, low. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. We helped them out. <laughs> <laughs> we did a pretty good job too, Chris. But like you say, for them to break off those seventy-five yard runs and those eighty-yard runs, you got to have your receivers getting downfield and getting blocked. And just so proud of how Jamison Williams, you know, and Williams. He's been doing that. He's been doing that. Jamison's been getting downfield. He's been throwing blocks. He's been doing all the little dirty things Mm -hmm. that you need to do. And as we know in this offense on this team, they reward you when you get down there and do some of the little dirty things that he's been doing. So I expect Ben Johnson, I expect Dan Campbell to continue to feed the ball to him. And what more can be said about Jameer Gibbs? I said it yesterday. Mm. I don't think he's getting better each and every game. I think he is getting better each and every carry. Um, you can just see his development. You can see his maturity starting to happen. And a lot of that is because of David Montgomery. Yeah. You know, he's able to watch David. He's able to emulate some of the things that David can do being a veteran in this league. And that always helps a young guy. So, He's getting better each and every carry. I think he's going to continue to get better as the season goes on. And, yes, Chris, like you said, these young guys have made big impacts on this team. Yeah, he he looks like a more patient runner, right? We know he's got the speed, but he's really allowing his blockers to develop those blocks. And once once he finds that lane – I mean, he's gone in a flash, but but that is it does seem to be a sign of maturity. I, I agree with you. I, I what I liked yesterday about the end of that game. Look, it wasn't like I said, it wasn't a pretty game. But anytime you walk away with a win in the NFL when you don't play your best game is a is a huge momentum swing in your direction. But what I loved yesterday is the way Dan Campbell managed the clock down the stretch. I mean, mm-hmm. he it was a master class in how to preserve your timeouts. You were never out of the game in terms of running the football. You had your entire playbook at your disposal. And when you've got a championship-caliber offensive line blocking for you, and again, yesterday was not their A-plus effort, but when they needed to step up in a big moment, they did. And I just thought from a from a structural standpoint, it was so nice to see everything was done exactly, in my mind at least, Everything was done exactly the right way. Yeah, Chris, I'm going to tell you the most impressive thing to me was, and it's kind of what you were talking about, the time of possession. Oh, it's they crazy. They had the ball 40 minutes to our 20 minutes, basically. Man, you, I've never seen a, a stat line like that before. I've never seen that with the time of possession. But that, to, to your point, that makes it all the more important 
the important that Dan Campbell did manage the clock the way he did because you had limited possessions, plus you had the clock going against you. So it was just great, like you say, the way he managed everything, the way he continued to believe in the guys and let these guys continue to go out there and do what they had to do. And it was no panic. It was no panic amongst the players, the coaches, and to me, that's a direct reflection of Dan Campbell and that coaching staff. All right, so the big fella's going to have a pretty uh, uh, chock-full, busy busy Thanksgiving. I got to know, Lomas, as the Grand Marshal of America's Thanksgiving Parade presented by Gardner White, have you been working on your wave? Oh, have you man, been, my man. You're, 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 you're like the Queen of England out here. I need to man, know that, that you've got the, 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 the mechanics down. Chris, I love the way you talk to the big fellas. You're right, man. Did me some curls today. You know, did me a little tricep exercises. Worked on the wrist going back and forth. I'm ready, Chris. I am ready. Look, I know you. You don't take anything easy. That's right. I I know how you operate. You can, Chris. I might even have on some eye black. Don't, don't oh, be shocked. Oh, now see. The big fella. I'm telling you. Lo, I'm all here for it. I'm all here for it. And I look, I you, we, I know you're a carnivore, too, so is there going to be some – are you going to have any uh, uh, turkey left by the time you get home? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh, my God, yes. I hope so. Ready, Chris. Uh, man, I'm going to work up my appetite, so I am going to be ready. All right, Lo. Uh, what, do you, what do you think about this game for Thursday? You know, Chris, another tough divisional game that we'll be facing. You can expect another hard nose tough, gritty game because that's how all the divisional games are. Um, I don't expect any different from Green Bay. Both teams will be on short weeks. uh, So, you know, it won't be a lot of physical uh, going physical yeah. preparation this week and to be all, all right. mental. Well, but I expect the Lions to win it. You're, I you're, expect them to come. You're out. very diplomatic. I'll 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 uh, translate. Jordan Love stinks, so let's go get the dub. Lo, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Chris. Happy take Thanksgiving. Care. We'll talk to you. All right, all right got to take a break. More next. All right, welcome back. Good to have you. I have a serious question. Brian, put your headphones on. Danielle, put them on. Um, so Thanksgiving's a couple days away. And people, this is the time when people are, and, and really, even this past weekend, you go to the store, you get everything you need, right? You're buying everything up. And I, to me, there is one thing on the table that I do not like, right? Everything else I'm good with. Stuffing, cranberry sauce. I don't really care for sweet potatoes, but whatever. I do not like turkey. I don't like turkey with gravy. I don't like I don't like it. I think it's gross. It's dry no matter how you have it. I will tell you, I did have a deep fried turkey once, and that was a game changer. But for the most part, turkey stinks. I wouldn't want any part. What are you shaking your head for? Because you're wrong. I'm not wrong. No. Then why don't people eat turkey more often? You eat turkey all the time. No. You know, like what? Like, like, tur- like turkey, uh, like lunch turkey. meat? Yeah, I eat turkey lunch meat all the time. Gross. I have, Turkey's uh, gross. Um, ground turkey. I eat our, turkey all the time. I, mean, I love turkey. Yeah, but nobody, like, you don't, like, make turkey very often. Ground turkey? Instead of uh well, Like, why don't you make meat? a roast turkey? Because that's a lot of money to Why don't spend? they sell roast, t- roast turkey at the uh, grocery store instead of a roast chicken? Like a, like a, you know, slow roasted chicken. 
because turkey's worse. No. It's terrible. Okay. It's awful. And for me, I would I would replace turkey with ham every every single Thanksgiving. Every single one. So what I, are you having at your house on Thanksgiving? Probably turkey. <laughs> I don't want it. It wouldn't be my choice. And I, you know, I'm like a dad, you know, dad, so I got to like make sure you eat your turkey. Eat your turkey, kids. And I'm over here, I'm like, I don't even want to eat the turkey. It's it's awful. So my question is, if you could replace one thing on your table, what would you replace and what would you what would you put in its place? Danielle, you want to take a, a stab at this first? Um, My mother always makes ambrosia salad, and I don't really think that that is a Thanksgiving thing, but I want that replaced. What do I want it replaced by? Yes. Uh, probably Brussels, Brussels sprouts. Good God. That's what I want. Okay. Thank That's you. gross. Okay. Well, ambrosia salad is gross. I mean, okay, fair. I don't like soggy marshmallows and soggy fruit. Yeah, okay. Do you? No. No, I wouldn't want that either. Yeah, exactly. All right, so you're you're that's you're you're the ambrosia salad. Mm-hmm. I've never heard of that for Thanksgiving, by the way. My mother makes it like every so year. So it's a tradition. Yeah, she's So the... you want to kill your mother's tradition. Yes, I do. And I actively tell her that every year that I don't think we should be doing this. You are the only one that eats it, mom. But she can't. She can't let go. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. For me, it's turkey. Brian, what what is your uh, what would you replace? Are you, are you good on everything? I'm not. I don't care for the uh, sweet potatoes. Okay, in, in any form, so you can get rid of those. Okay, and any of the cranberries. What do you put in its place? Uh, more mashed potatoes. I'm fine with the mac and cheese. Uh, more turkey. So uh, let me green tell you this: bean casserole. I am I am jealous of people who have mac and cheese for their Thanksgiving. So I would. Ooh, this could be controversial. I Uh-oh. would. I would <laughs> replace. If I had another one, I might replace mac and cheese instead of mashed potatoes. Really? Yeah. That is no. Yeah. Un-American. Mm, all right. <laughs> I do. I do. I did actually look this up for you because yeah. um, there are a bunch of people in this world that have the same view on turkey as you do. Of However, course. there's a bigger percentage people. of people. Thirty one percent of people actually hate cranberry sauce and they're not discriminating of whether it's jellied or it's yeah. solid cranberries or whether it's whatever. Thirty one percent of people hate cranberries. And right behind that is sweet potatoes with 29.22%. Yeah, that makes sense. Behind that is green bean casserole. Oh, that's, uh, that's at 28%. And then underneath that fourth place, 27.74% of people hate turkey for Thanksgiving. So you're not yeah. alone. No, I'm not alone. And you know what else is nice is I can eat ham and then not feel tired. So I can watch football longer. <laughs> I can I can go about my day. It's it's tremendous. It's a win-win for everybody. Turkey stinks, and then I get something that doesn't put me to sleep. Oh, it's a win-win. Here's one that's interesting. You know, Thanksgiving <laughs> is always um, correlated, like, with pumpkin pie. That is, like, number eight on the list of things that people don't like. Wow. Pumpkin well, that's pie? That's low down the list. That's low down the list. One, two, three. I mean, okay, pumpkin it's, pie it's is six. great. It's six. Okay. Sweet potato pie is also very good. I can't believe people hate pumpkin pie. Oh, I can. Mm. It's a unique taste. Yeah. What pies do you have on Thanksgiving? 
Oh, pumpkin or apple. Cherry. Pumpkin and apple. Usually pumpkin. Cherry? Yeah, my mom buys cherry. Okay. Yeah, pumpkin. She can't get away from that one either. I mean, fair. But if you're doing the cranberry sauce, that is kind of cherry-ish. She's also putting cherries in the Tart. ambrosia salad. Oh, boy. So there's cherries everywhere. Well, look, you live in Michigan. That's <laughs> tremendous. That's Are great. Michigan cherries? Right. Is she just being local? Honestly, she probably goes up to Traverse City and grabs a oh, That's tremendous. Knows. That's great. Way to support. <laughs> Represent. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a, I, yeah, turkey sticks. Period. <laughs> I just, I don't know how else to put it. I, I, I want to be nice to big turkey. I want to. I want to I want to be on their side, but it's a it's a gross bird. I almost said it's foul, and that would have been stupid. So I'm glad I didn't <laughs> no, do that. I didn't I do like it. That. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Um, you know, there was a a story that I touched on briefly. We we talked about Xi Jinping's visit to San Francisco, and San Francisco did something that was pretty remarkable, and they cleaned the city up. They got rid of a lot of the nasty, you know, waste, human waste that people just leave all around the city on sidewalks, on stairs, anywhere. They, they washed all that down. And then they 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 did something with the homeless population. Now, they moved them to, from different areas. They opened up some warming centers early to try to get people uh, off the streets as a as a way to improve the appearance of not just San Francisco, but in this visit with another world leader. And it got me to thinking. And it, and the more I thought about it, the, the more frustrated I felt. Understanding that people make their own decisions. People are sometimes in positions that they don't want to be in because of things that they've done that have led them down that path. And then there are people that are in certain positions that got there accidentally, that have hit hard times and and they don't want to be there, but they're there because they are. So this isn't like, well, we're let's use government funding to, you know, help. no, no, no. There is, you know, people talk a lot about the America first agenda, right? Right. Ever since Donald Trump. And to me, part of that ideology is taking care of America and Americans first. And at its most basic level, that is what it is. But if the city of San Francisco being the sprawling metropolis that it is, if they can attack the homeless population the way that they did in like, you know, just just in, in the in the blink of an eye. Why haven't they done this? Why haven't they attempted to address the problem? Oh, well, because the world leader's coming over, we got to make things look nice. It's like if you've got company coming over your house, and instead of actually picking up the crumbs that are on the floor, you just sweep them under the rug, or you just stuff everything in the coat closet. You're not cleaning anything. You're just moving the mess to a different area. I mean, there is a reason why people in Chicago, for example, were yelling at the city officials at a meeting recently when they were talking about bringing all of these undocumented illegal immigrants from the southern border into the country. They were saying, well, you've got homeless people here that need help and you haven't addressed it. And if a if a if a city like San Francisco can fix the problem relatively easy. 
I mean, they didn't fix the issue. A lot of it was just holding up the rug and sweeping the crumbs under it. But you were able to to completely turn sections of that city around. Isn't it time that we start thinking in those terms of, well, not not if you can do it. Now, we don't need, like, extra money to see that you can do it. We know you can do it. Now we've seen it. And to me, it was more frustrating knowing that they can do something like that. We saw it here in Detroit during the Super Bowl. I mean, they moved all kinds of people around, put people up the whole nine. But the frustrating thing for me is that seeing that you can do it, as opposed to you saying that it's not possible or we don't have the funds, this tells me that it's possible and you're not addressing it. And to me, that's more frustrating than the former. Got to take a break. More next on JR Afternoon. All right, welcome back. Good to have you. Mitch Allen and the crew coming up at 4.05, and KB joins us. What up, Kenny? Hello, hello, hello. How are you? How was your weekend? Good. Weekend was good. You Lions won. Michigan? Lions won. Michigan won. Michigan won. Barely. Barely. But this is the second game. year in a row. Second year in a row. The trap game is always that game before the Ohio State game. Of course it is. It was what, what was it in Illinois last year. Remember they almost lost? Yeah, they almost lost. That, oh. was, a year, uh, that was a game Blake Corum got hurt too, I believe. Yes, it was. Look at you. Um, Historian. Yeah, yeah. Um, the problem with that is, I mean, their last regular season loss was to Michigan State two years ago. So yeah. those those when I mean when you're eleven and zero or ten and zero, getting ready to go into Ohio State week, you know you're, the, the the pressure's there, and the pressure was there for Ohio State too. Pressure's they they drub Minnesota, but. Yeah, the pressure's there. J.B. McCarthy has only lost one game as a starter, and that's that TCU game. Um, no, I'm giving you the is facts. that right? Yeah, I'm, I'm well, you. no, they. Oh, he's yeah, only, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kane would have lost. A uh, yeah, that's something I hadn't even thought about. That. I'm giving you food for uh, thought. Yeah, well, he threw two pick sixes that. Game. Well, he would. Yeah, so, and they still almost won. And they still, <laughs> they still had a chance. Won. at yeah. least. Yeah, it's a weird time over there. That's for sure. I'll tell you another thing, too, while I'm in my complaining mode today. Please. They need to put the Ohio State game back to like it's supposed to be the week before Thanksgiving. All my life and all everybody's life, it was the week before Thanksgiving when the kids were at school still yeah. and everything. Yeah. Then they started this Big Ten tournament mess, mm-hmm. and now it's in after Thanksgiving. It just takes the allure of the game away. That game was supposed to have been played last Saturday. Nah, I mean, whatever. It is what No, it is. because the kids are on – it's actually school going on. You know, not – they're on vacation at, yeah. at Thanksgiving. With, and it just seems like once Thanksgiving gets here, college football, that weekend is it's a throwaway. Last weekend is a college football weekend. Agreed. And so put the game back. Get rid of these tournaments anyway. They're just money What makers. tournaments? These Big Ten tournaments and ACC tournaments. You don't need that. You play as many games, and the one who has the best record is the division winner. Or the league winner. Well, yeah. I you mean, don't need these. T- well, next year they're not going divisions, so that we'll be we're getting nerdy here. I know. We're but, but, but yeah, right. and next year we're gonna have a twelve team playoff. Exactly. So, so you, you don't see, need those so this championship game, games. This game at the end of the year might not really matter. I mean, you could lose. You could be ten and zero. Yeah, you could. But Ohio State, Michigan, always gonna matter. It's always it, gonna no, matter. It's always, always gonna matter. Gonna but matter. my point is, it might not matter in terms, in terms of your of postseason ability, yeah. uh, eligibility. But you know, people do like that with the NCAA basketball tournament too. Oh, I need more than sixty-four teams. I need more than 60. those bottom teams aren't winning it anyway. Well, there's just always them those in. No, they're Cinderella's. Not there's not a Cinderella no, going from 64 not, to 1. No, correct. So you're just there to get a payday. So quit. Keep it as it is. No, no, I don't think we need any more in, no the, more. in the basket. March Madness. No more. No, thank you. Mm-hmm. 
Um, what did you think of Lions game yesterday? Um, I thought it was a. It, it was, was a, a trap game. game, but it they, was a trap game. They did not play well. It was a trap game, and I said it last week. They I couldn't said, tackle this was a to team. save their lives. They just, it was just one of those games where we know we're better than you, but we're just going through the motions. Sure. But this is my thing, and I listened to a lot of talk radio yesterday after the game and today or whatever. Are you a bad fan if you boo the home team, and are you a bad fan if you left that game early? A bad? No. Not a bad fan. A lot of people called said they would – it was caller on caller action and fan on fan action yesterday and whatever. You're a bad fan if you leaving early. When you see people walking up the stairs, I've been to these games. Sure. People are yelling, "Get back to your seat! Where are you leaving for? The game's not over." Or you shouldn't be booing the home team. I, 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 I have no feeling for that. I mean, first of all, you pay your money for a ticket. You can do whatever you want you, as long as you do it on. As in long your seat. as you don't as as you hurt do it people, as long uh, as you don't cur- throw beer at and be cursing in front of the kids. You're okay. Uh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. But the booing part, I'll have a problem with leaving early. I don't, I don't care. Have a you do whatever with it. you yeah, want. I don't have a problem. You, with it. You, have a problem you bought the ticket. I don't have a problem with it. But according to the fan guide of Detroit, you have to, you know, be have all. Have you ever in. walked out of a movie? You know what? I you go think I'm lying. I've never walked okay, out of a movie. I've walked out of plenty of movies because I said I'm not sitting here <laughs> subjecting myself to this. It's entertainment. <laughs> if you're not entertaining me, I'm out. Maybe the last movie you walked out of. I couldn't even tell you. I just want to know the level of badness of these movies. You know what? I don't remember what it was. It was a movie about, it was like a whodunit. Uh, but just, it was about. And you a, didn't care who done it. No, I, no, I definitely didn't care who done it. But it was like a, it was a movie. They were portraying a, a stage show in England. Right. Which was a whodunit. Right. And it turned into somebody actually dying and it was a whodunit. Right. In the, so it was like a whodunit in a whodunit. Right. And I'm like, I'm out. Yeah. I can't. And we watched. 20 minutes of it, and I'm like, I don't like any part well, of it. Well, your this. problem is the way that's not you went in there in the first place. I was confused. <laughs> I was about yeah, to say, I'm just like, well, did you buy the wrong ticket? Yeah. Now, I've fallen asleep in movies, but I refuse. Oh, sure. If I pay my money, I'm getting that, that whole experience. Well, you know, it's funny. I, I've never done it, but I've heard that you can get your money back if you're like, if you leave a half hour in. Really? Yeah. I don't know that that's That's true. one of those rumors. It's urban just, yeah, 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 yeah. It's an old yeah, tale, yeah, yeah. old wives' tale. urban legend. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. No, but you're not a bad fan. Look, you, look. You can be upset with your team in the moment and still not, like, bail on them. Like, those people yesterday that were booing Jared Goff, they were booing because they were frustrated because they know the type of output that you can have. Like, they, yeah, they know, know you can, that play you better. can be better. You can be better, right. And know. so when you're when you're losing to a bottom feeder like that, that's it's frustrating. Yeah. I, but I, you've got to let it play out. I you mean, can't be sensitive either. They were great the, 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 the you know, second half of the fourth quarter. Yeah, but like I said, it was a substandard team. You carried for yeah. most of the game. And if fans wanted to boo, I don't have a problem with it. I don't have a problem if they booed if you were about 50 and they booed thinking you should be about 70. That's fans' prior. As long as you keep I it agree. in your seat and do whatever you want to do. I agree. And the leaving early part, look, I've been stuck in that traffic down there. And if you think it's <laughs> over. I'll tell you one game I did walk out on. That yeah. Dallas-Detroit game a few years ago where the, the, they came back and Stafford jumped over the goal. Oh, yeah, there. yeah, yeah. I was, like, going down over there by Was that the? By the, the fake snap? Yeah, the or, fake or snap. the fake spike? The fake spike. I was down by campus Marston, and people were yelling. I said, what happened? They said they, they came back. I said, they were, I left. They were being killed. Oh, you I missed You it. were there. I missed it. Missed the whole thing. Yeah, well, that, that'll teach you. <laughs> I guess it will. I don't think I've ever left a game Just early. Just check it out. I survived it. I've left concerts early. I don't think I've ever left a game early. You have never left a game early? Baseball game or anything? I don't 
maybe a baseball game. Yeah, baseball. You got to leave back in the day of baseball games. They were like eight hours long. Well, now it's like, yeah. well, I now guess you up until not this leave. year. They're yeah. throwing the ball. It wasn't uh, very busy down Can't there. even take a bathroom break at the game. No, yeah. Eight right. seconds, get that ball thrown. Yeah. What do you guys got coming up today? Well, we got Barry Sanders coming on. He's going to talk about why he went to London 20 years ago. Like, for those who still yeah. want to know. Uh, I, yeah. Alex Anzalone, Mr. 15 Tackle. Yeah. Recover from, you know, since he got with us. Big time player. Big time player. Big time well, player. There was a lot of criticism whether or not he should be resigned in the offseason. And what? now right. it's like now it's like he's one of your no better brainer. players. That's right. I mean, he is arguably your best defender. He's one of your, him and Hutchinson. Yeah. I know you hate to say it because he's a Michigan guy. Hutchinson's no, look, best player. I think Hutchinson I know you're, has you're, been the way you hate Michigan. Yeah, I I know Hutch you. has been he's been and I don't know that it's his fault, but he's been Ghosts like yeah, but he in a few he stepped games. up big time yesterday. Oh, that that big strip time. sack. He was makes huge. big plays when it's big time. plays. That was a big play. Now, what's going to happen first? Are the Lions going to clinch the division, or Michigan State gets a head coach? Which which comes first? Oh, Michigan State will have a head coach. <laughs> you said you said, but I'm asking. There's only one game left of the regular I, season. Said, just keep that in mind. No, they're three and a half. The Lions games can up. clinch probably in two weeks. Yeah, no, I'm going to say Michigan State's going to have a coach. Right, we'll Who's going to be their coach? <laughs> well, that's, you know, we have to look at the bottom of the... Who's it going to be? We have to look at the bottom of the rankings and see what <sighs> coaches are available. You know, you're, you're just hateful. What is the matter it's, with it's you? It's been an embarrassing season for the Spartans. It's both... Yeah. Things Nobody. haven't play, play, played out the way they thought it was. <laughs> What's Tucker's first name, the coach? Mel? Yeah, okay, I'm about to say, half the people in the round oh don't even know. Oh, my God. He's been gone Mitchell so long. Mitchell and the, the crew coming up. Know. We got to go. Mel, is that his name? 